Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk, Happy Hour Radio. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Well, hello, Seattle. Hello, Puget Sound, and welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I am your host, Christopher Chan, advanced sommelier, your weekend wine guy, and your samurai of spirits. Hope you're having a great Saturday night, and uh, hey, thanks for tuning in to 570 KVI, where it's the home of Happy Hour Radio, right here every Saturday night, 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock. Uh, tell your friends and tell them to tune in. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. If you ever miss a show, check out our website. It's happyhourradio.net. We've got uh, over 140-plus shows um, from Beer, cocktails, food, chefs, celebrity education, and events from all around the world. We're talking Europe and South Africa and Oregon and British Columbia and even Hawaii. So I hope you enjoy everything we do. Um, Give us an email or send me an email if you have any great ideas for guests or uh, some cool questions. Uh, we're also on the Twitter sphere at Happy HR Radio. Tweet, tweet. Uh, if you guys are still rocking the Twitter sphere, <laughs> I'm still trying. And uh, hey, it's June. Happy June, everybody. The, uh, the brand new graduates are, are uh, heading out with their cap and gown, and it's time to have some great brunches and some barbecues and celebrations. And uh, gosh, there's no better thing to celebrate life with than champagne. And I'm so pleased to have, uh, well, I'm always pleased to have champagne, but I've got one of the grand marks, uh, one of the great champagne houses, and one of the great professionals in the business of champagne. Naomi Smith is the Northwest Regional Manager for uh, Domaine Laurent Perrier, which is a great champagne house founded in 1812. Um, of course, uh, Naomi is much younger than that. Hey, Naomi, welcome to Happy Hour. <laughs> hey, Christopher. It's great to be here. So yeah. excited to be here with Laurent Perrier's almost entire lineup for you today. I'm, I'm thoroughly <laughs> impressed. Boy, uh, there's six bottles of champagne in front of me, everybody, and so how cool is that? If we got to get that Comcast camera in here so people can see what we do and see that we really are handsome and, and beautiful people, not just great voices. <laughs> We've got everything going on for us. Uh, let's talk about Champagne. Champagne is a region in France about 90 miles northeast of uh, the, the, the little town of Paris, and it's, uh, it's known for, well, best known for two or three different grapes, uh, Chardonnay, uh, Petite, uh, sorry, Pinot Noir and Meunier. Pinot Meunier. Um, Of course, they have three other ones, but we'll talk about that. So uh, let's talk about Champagne. Champagne was started, who started Champagne? Um, Well, I, you know, there's a a couple of ideas that go back to that. Of course, we all think of Dom Perignon being the person who created Champagne. But actually, as you and I just discussed, um, he actually was more instrumental in kind of fine-tuning the blends and also working in the vineyards. So actually, effervescents were first created in France in the 1500s in a region in southwestern France called Lemieux. Lemieux. Exactly. Uh Well, they used the Mauzac grape and a little Chardonnay. Correct. And so uh, sparkling wines really started started taking off um, or started really getting interesting towards the 1800s when the um, the they style. invented the cork. <laughs> they, the cork was invented. <laughs> they fine-tuned the bottle. Yes. Um, but of course, before we had the great British step in in the late 1800s, they um, they had a problem with the bottles. The bottles would oftentimes explode. In fact, they ha- weren't able to control the pressure of the bottle 
uh, with the sparkling wine inside the bottle. And then, of course, the bottle itself was quite delicate. Uh, so some wineries would lose up to 90% of their production. So making that cellar master job and, and the winery quite dangerous. <laughs> and a lot of brooms and dustpans, I'm sure. And it's interesting about Champagne. If you've ever been to Champagne, and I encourage everyone to go because it's a fantastic place, um, they have these uh, chalk caves, these Champagne caves, where they age all the wines. But the wines are just, the bottles are sitting on top of each other. They're not boxed. They're not even labeled. They're just sitting on top of each other. And they've got this little chalkboard where they tell you how many bottles, how many thousands of bottles are listed here so can you imagine having um, a little glass blower down the street working his tail off blowing blowing these glass these beautiful glass bottles but all this pressure inside if you ever see the Indy 500 of course they're shaking up the champagne or the Super Bowl (laughs) and everyone World Series whatever you see them showering each other with champagne bubbles because there's so many bubbles that creates lots of pressure and and that pressure obviously kind of uh, challenged the glass making uh, the structure uh, the viability integrity Uh, that's what I'm looking for the and structure integrity of the bottles and until they were able to use coal which made the fires hotter which tempered the glass and made it stronger we had this challenge with losing all sorts of uh, well of inventory correct yeah and additionally at that same time they were fine-tuning the pressure in the bottle so now we have it down to a science and we know if you put this percentage of sugar into the bottle and this percentage of yeast um, and as we know, the, the yeast eats the sugar, and that's where those tiny bubbles, that carbon dioxide comes from, that pressure. They've fine-tuned that in conjunction with the glass technology, and therefore the champagne uh, uh, phenomenon really took off at that point. It did, and it's interesting. It's the same bubble that's in beer, everybody. This is no different, even though it's the same stuff. And that's kind of how it worked. The beer is fizzy, and so is champagne. But they actually have to make wine first. So let's talk about the process of champagne. Yeah, so of course, uh, just as every other still wine that we enjoy and what you make here in Washington State, um, it's pressed juice that is fermented, right? And in the Champagne region, the three primary grapes that they work with are Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, and Pinot Meunier. So they make this, um, this base wine. They put that base wine into the bottle, and then they add the liquor de tirage, which is essentially wine, sugar, and yeast blended together. And then they put on top of that bottle a Coca-Cola cap, basically, and that <laughs> contains those bubbles. So when the yeast eats the sugar, the carbon dioxide is created, tiny bubbles. Um, And then, of course, you're left with some yeast sediment, all right? So the rule in Champagne is that you must lay those down on the leaves at a minimum of 18 months, okay? Uh, So then, after the bottle has laid down on these delicious yeast leaves, which creates that yummy, yeasty, brioche flavor that we love so much in our Champagne... They then do the next stage, which is called disgorge, or actually riddling. So riddling is, if you didn't take out those little yeast uh, sediments, you'd have really cloudy wine. It'd be like a Hefeweizen. Exactly. And we don't really like that. So they do a process called riddling. And historically, it was all done by hand. And essentially, what they do is they um, turn the bottle uh, to a 45-degree angle until they finally get it going towards where it's on its neck and get all of those yeast sediments with little tiny turns over a, a period of time so that yeast sediment is all at the neck of the bottle. Now they use what is called a gyro palette. Gyro palette. Gyro palette. Um, some houses like our house still do hand riddling, but um, these gyro palettes tend to be um, 
I think the process is brought down to about a four-day period. <laughs> um, and so then they do the disgorgement. So the gyro pallet is like a, um, a construction machine that actually takes a, uh, a pallet of wine and they move it around and, and they, they gyrate it mm -hmm. just to, to do the same thing what a Riddler would do over the course of 18 months. This gyro pallet does it over the course of four days, which also uh, allows this, the surface area of the yeast to interact with the wine, which gains, gains more complexity and more creaminess and autolysis is that how proteins move into different chains. And more importantly, they put all that yeast into the bottom the bedule of the cap, which mm -hmm. then they disgorge. Now, there's two ways to disgorge uh, that little yeast out of the bottle. Uh, one is, well, by hand, and that means you have to be very, very quick because you've got all this pressure. So you, you pop the cap, and then you take it out, and then you put it back on. But there's another way that Veuve Clicquot, Madame Veuve Clicquot, started. Okay. A la glace, right? Okay. She was. She realized that if she was able to uh, create a very chilled brine, an icy brine, where you bring salt into this water, it brings the temperature down, the freezing temperature lower, which makes the ability to chill, to freeze the little part of the glass the, of the wine in the bottle, and then discord it. That pops out like a little ice cube, a little yeasty ice cube, and then the, it's really easy to do. It's not a mess, and it's not um, kind of a guessing game. So that's really helped uh, create a more consistent product for all these champagne houses, and uh, Madame Veuve Clicquot is known for that. That's correct. And then, of course, you're left with what's clear, sparkling champagne. However, you're also left with less wine a in the less bottle. Wine, yeah. Right? So then the next stage is disgorgement. Or is I'm um, adding the dosage rather. So the next stage in dis, uh, disgorge or dosage or disgorgement is adding the dosage. So this is where you're adding a wine back with sugar, or if you're doing a no dosage or as we make an ultra brut, um, a no dosage sugar. So you'll just add wine or, or must. Right. So when we think of champagne, we think about uh, there's brut, there's demi sec, there's sec, there's ultra brut and extra brut. There's all these terms. Well, brut is the the term uh, the French term for dry. And when we think about dry, that means a, a lack of sugar. And when we think about, I have a dry white wine, that means there's no sugar left. Otherwise, it would be a sweet white wine so or a demi-sec white wine. And so when it comes to champagne, we have these different terms. And that amount of uh, sweetness, that extra brut, brut, or demi-sec, is determined by... Well, by laws in the Champagne region, but also just by grams of sugar per by volume. So um, the brut dosage is basically from zero to nine to or zero 12. to twelve, right? 12, zero to correct. twelve, and then even ultra brut is zero to six, three. zero to so, three. So okay. it goes it go, the ultra brut or no dosage brut nature is three grams or less. Um, then it goes uh, extra dry, which is six or less. Brut, which is 12 or less. Then it goes extra dry, extra which brute, is right? uh, uh, 12, extra extra dry, which is um, 12 to 17. And then dry, which is 17 to 32. And then we get to demi-sec, which is 32 to 50. And then do. That's like dessert, right? Super yeah, sweet. sweet and heavy. <laughs> and the key to champagne is really this great acidity. And that's what makes it such a great aperitif and, and also pairs well with shell, shellfish and oysters and things like that. You have lots of acidity here. And the only thing that can mask acidity is sugar. And so they add sugar to these champagnes, which really helps 
the palate appreciate the fruit and the flavors and the the texture and and that's really important um it doesn't add a lot of calories we're talking about a few grams and that's that's not a lot when it comes down to a whole bottle or a glass um i think most of the calories in champagne are just in the bubbles right correct well it's interesting <laughs> we we actually uh, make our ultra brute which is about 60 calories compared to an average other champagne which is about 100 calories ah. so because it, the sugar does actually per glass yeah per glass okay per glass yeah so any size <laughs> glass it still says. i mean but who's really thinking about calories no. when enjoying uh-uh. champagne and it's such an a slender fluid and i know that we've uh, there's been two types two types of champagne glasses the um, marie antoinette glass of which course. is the coupe it mm-hmm. uh it looks like the the open one. You see them pouring champagne and the pyramids. And, it's, and then you have the flute, which is uh, the long cylindrical uh, glass, the vessel, which allows you to see the beautiful bubbles and, and champagne. And um, both both are acceptable. Um, but really, I think that the professional and the consumer are, are looking for more expression in that little sip of champagne. And so they're using a different glass. Yeah. So this is actually something really great that I, I get asked quite a bit. Um, and we actually do a lot of wine dinners with our champagnes because we have the full range. Um, and it's great because you could start with a, a ultra brute and have oysters with that and work all your, all the way down to the rosé and have that with steak or mm-hmm. roasted chicken as your entree. And then of course, demi sec. What we see now happening is associating what we see as Pinot Noir glasses or Chardonnay glasses, associating the wine glass to the wine, uh, the grapes that are in the wine to, that uh, make the wine. So uh, the idea here being that the more open the glass, the more expressive the aromatics and 92% of taste is smell so you want to be able to have those expressive aromatics so we're seeing that trend away from the flute and more towards the wine glasses. Interesting too and knowing that uh, champagne and sparkling wines typically have a a very high acidity note um, the shape of the the glass to your lips actually has a lot to do with how that acidity uh, attacks your palate and obviously your tongue can taste salty sweet acid bitter and umami and uh, well we're going to come back from this break, we're going to check check out what's actually in these six bottles of Laurent Perrier Champagne, starting with the Ultra Brut Champagne, then we have the uh, Champagne Laurent Perrier, and what is that that label called, the, the white label? This one right here? Yes. This is our, our non-vintage, our, our multi-vintage. Non-vintage, our yeah. multi-vintage Champagne. <laughs> this is the one you see most of, um, but they have some iconic champagnes. You have, uh, what's the black label there? It's our Vintage 2006. Ooh, vintage 2006, and of course you have a Champagne that is uh, renowned, one of my favorites, Grand um, speaking with Naomi Smith, the Northwest Regional Manager for uh, Champagne Laurent Perrier. When we come back from this break, we're actually going to pour some bubbles and uh, toast some glasses and have more fun right here on Happy Hour Radio. Start your day the right way. John Carlson, live and local, 6 to 10 a.m. Talk Radio 570, KVI. You're in the know with KVI Want to Know Weekends. Here's more Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, welcome back to the tastiest hour on radio. It's Happy Hour Radio, and I've got, uh, well, I've got three glasses of champagne and three more bottles 
awaiting co- compliments courtesy of my my best friend ever, <laughs> Naomi Smith, the Northwest Regional Wine Manager for Champagne Laurent Perrier. And we were just chatting about uh, the the, the ma- winemaking process in Champagne. Obviously, you start with still wine, you put in a bottle, a little sugar, and get some bubbles, and you got to take that stuff out, and you put it on a label, or actually put on extra, some extra sugar for the liquor de expedition, and then you put a label on it, and you call it something like Ultra Brut. So here we are. This is a brand new bottle that I've never seen. New to me. It's a lovely label, too. It's blue and silver. It's called Laurent Perrier Ultra Brut. Tell me about this. Yeah, actually, you say new, but this has a fascinating history with our house. So it was originally introduced back in 1889 by Mathilde Laurent, the Vouve Laurent Perrier. Oh, the widow, yes. Of course, one of those amazing widows who brought so much to our house at the time. Um, she actually was uh, the first to introduce sans sucre, so uh, grand vin sans sucre, no sugar added. Mm-hmm. It launched at uh, Jules Verne, the very iconic no restaurant way. in uh, the Eiffel Tower with wonderful fanfare. And it was a tremendous success for our house. We produced it f- up until the uh, early 20th century. So we reintroduced it in 1981 um, and, of course, have have had tremendous success with it ever since. But um, as you mentioned, the style of champagne, we talked about the champagne method. And when we make this wine, instead of adding the traditional liquor de tirage, the sugar, yeast, and uh, wine for secondary fermentation... Instead, we don't use any sugar at all in the winemaking production. So we add yeast and must, grape must. Oh. So unfermented So just grape, grape juice. juice. Exactly. Yeah. So then when we make, we add the dosage, mm. that is just wine. That's little it. extra wine. That's it. Interesting. So this is also a multi-vintage uh, expression. And Correct. when we're talking about multi-vintage, we're talking really about three or four different vintages or how many vintages go this into? This is about three vintages and the base wine of this is 2011. Ah. Mm-hmm. Now, 2011 here in Washington State was a very, very cool year. In fact, the coolest year ever on record for grape growing. Um, how was it in Champagne? It was a pretty cool vintage for us <laughs> as well. Um, how, uh, however, um, in order to make this particular style of wine, we need the grapes to be to achieve a, a greater degree of ripeness. So it was oh. it was a cooler vintage, but we still sourced from sub microclimates that ripened more, right? So we had we were able to get riper grapes in order to make this. And the uh, cepage, the, the, the grapes in this blend? 55% Chardonnay, mm-hmm. 45% Pinot Noir, all Premier Cru. Right. And so uh, everyone out there, the villages, there are regions in Champagne, the Valley de Marne, uh, the Montagne de Rance, the Côte de Blanc, uh, the Saison, the mm-hmm. Aube. And the Aube. <laughs> now, in these regions are different villages, and some of the villages are known as Grand Cru Villages, of which there are 17. 17, correct. And then there are a bunch of Premier Cru 43. Villages, 43. Mm-hmm. And after that, it's just uh, what's just called the Cru de... Exactly. <laughs> just we crew call de, it The Cru de Echelle. <laughs> uh, the, the rest of the 89%. Uh, and and um, there are really, what, 5,000, 7,000 different growers in Champagne and, what, 1,000 or 1,200 houses, I believe, Correct. if I can remember. Roughly, yeah. Yes, roughly. <laughs> Give or take. <laughs> no. Give or take. We're going to start counting over again. Um, but this is a real. I just took a sip of this, and this has a great lithe texture. It's elegant, but it also has depth on the palate. I'm, I'm really surprised for a, an ultra brute, meaning no added sugar, which is great because it just gives you pure expression of the grape blend. So one of the great things that our house does, and um, our, our house 
style is fresh and mm. elegant. We were the first house to convert to 100% stainless, temperature controlled in 1973. So we don't use any oak at all in the winemaking um, mm. production. So this being a tremendous example of that. We do extended lees aging on this wine. This spends six years. Oh, I'm going to say because all I got on is on lees, and that's where you're getting complexity. Fantastic finish. It just it's got um, you know toasted almond and, and a little bit of hazelnut and, and just brioche and, um, and that eggy crust you get. Um, and the acid is just bright, but it's it's not as sharp as I would imagine. I think that comes from some of that autolysis. The the leaves sort of break down some of the acidity or something. Absolutely. And then, of course, our, the way that we make it by using grape must as opposed to wine um, and not using any sugar. I mean, it all, it all blends uh, into this amazing ultra brute. Now, it's really important for champagne drinkers is is to um, never drink it too cold, unless that's what you want. But if you have champagne too cold, it tends to be tastes a little more tart because the acid is enhanced with, with chill. Um, but if you taste wine at this temperature, and this is just basically um, cellar temperature. Correct. This is cool. Um, but this really gives you the true expression of, of the grapes and of the winemaking. Um, this is really delicious. This must be in that $80, $100 range. Is this, uh, what does this cost? Is this available in Seattle? This is available in Seattle. We have some great retail partners, um, Esquin being one of our, our yeah. favorites, of course, but um, Pike Western and a handful of other, De Laurenti also, of mm. course. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it goes out for around $50, $60. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah. Even with six years um, yeah. on tirage. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Uh, delicious. It's a lovely bottle, and I've never had it. What a treat. Yeah, um, now, the, the Laurent Prairie Champagne that most people will probably see is the next bottle here. It's the classic white label with a gold foil and a red, um, a crimson uh, line, a stripe around it with a shield. And the Laurent Perrier, tell me about this wine. So this is the flagship of our house. So this is um, Bernard de Nonancourt, who was the patriarch of our house and who came on board in 1948 um, to run the house and ran it successfully for 60 years, who just passed it on to his daughters in 2005, making us the largest family, a female-run, family-owned champagne house. Uh, Sweet! <laughs> yeah, so uh, in terms of this, this blend... Uh, we are a Chardonnay loving mm. winery and you know Chardonnay takes up about 30% of the total grape planted in Champagne next, Pinot Noir being... next being Pinot Meunier at 35 yeah. and then 38 I believe for Pinot Noir um, so this is 45% Chardonnay mm. uh, <clears throat> 40% Pinot Noir and 15% Pinot Meunier 20% of which of the blend is reserve wines Okay. and then the base wine on this is 2011 now who blends these because um, champagne is all about blending, and that's where mm -hmm. Dom Perignon became famous because he was able to blend these to provide a more flavorful palette, uh, if you will. Who's the cellar master there? So this is actually really interesting, too. So Michel Fauconnet is our, our chef de cave. So we've actually only had two chef de caves in the last 75 years. Wow. And the thing that's... You know, there's so many important things in making great champagne, but one of the top is consistency. Consistency. And really understanding um, the blend, the house style, understanding our vineyard sourcing. The sourcing, of course. Um, and of course, what what our house style is. And so he's been with us since '73. Uh, he came on as a cellar rat, worked his way up. <laughs> Um, and here's another fun... Isn't there a more glamorous French term oh, for that? I'm sure there is. <laughs> 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 um, but another really interesting... Uh, point about the Laurent Perrier family is that they purchased Salon in uh, 1988. You mean the Champagne House Salon? That is the exact one I'm talking about. I didn't know that. Yes, yeah, so they own Salon and Delamotte, and Michel Fauconnet 
our winemaker also is the chef de cave at Solana Delamont. Uh, I just, I was with Val Marcus <laughs> uh, with Vineyard Brands and they were sharing Solana and, and Delamont. And I fell in love with that. I love that one too because yeah. they got such great texture in the Delamont. I, I bought a case and I just gave my own for my sister's birthday yeah. last night. I'm just really impressed with Laurent Pre. I have not had this in a long time. And I talk about fresh and elegant. This mm-hmm. truly is, it's, it's, I can't, how do I explain it? It's, it's like um, mountain air. It's really, really fresh, but it, it also, that elegance and sophistication still lasts on the palate with this, the flavor. And again, the acidity is, is very similar to that first bottle, uh, the Ultra Brute. It's it's not screaming high. And the dosage here, is this like... Ten. A, we're 10. A, say nine grams. Okay. So we're 10 grams per liter on this, and it does spend over three years aging on lees. Uh, um, again, mm. base wine is 2011. And, um, you know, really, with being a temperature-controlled, 100% stainless, you're getting very reductive, mm-hmm. very reductive champagnes. So... Um, yeah, it's in, so and so open this, up in the glass is really what you're saying. Absolutely, and and that acidity is just really crisp, but again, very well balanced. Um, and this, you know, the average retail cost on this is around thirty nine ninety nine. No way. Yes, that's that's a steal. It's yeah. it's so delicious, and um, it tastes really really dry to mm-hmm. me, even though it's it's a brute and it is dry. Um, I think sometimes we can we can find a lot of sweetness in the champagne, and I'm, I've become more acute to that or keen to that, and I, I'm just digging this. And of course, you know, I'm a lush. That's <laughs> what <laughs> <laughs> so happens here. Unhappy already. We have one more. Uh, we have the vintage two thousand six uh, is. One of the more heralded declared vintages, I believe, in 2006, they're talking about how this is, you know, it's not 05. I think 05 was a little warmer. 06 mm-hmm. was really what, what they really wanted in a vintage champagne. Tell me about this expression. Yeah, so the 06 vintage itself it was a pretty cold winter, mild spring. But then it was an interesting summer because there were heat spikes and then a lot of rain. Mm. And there was a little at the concern. Right time. Well, at the right time, there was a little concern on when how this how this was going to turn. But I will tell you that having tasted a lot of champagne in my 16 year wine career, this is one of my all time favorites. Mm. So this is a blend of 50 uh, percent Chardonnay, 50 percent Pinot Noir, all Grand Cru. Wow! And this, this spends over seven years aging on leaves. This tastes. I mean, this tastes expensive. I mean, in that in a good way because <laughs> it's just so polished and um, I'll use that word elegant again. And it's Gosh, it, it really fills the mouth, mm-hmm. but it's it's like drinking silk yeah. in a way. And the bubbles are very, very refined. Um, 2006, Laurent Perrier, it's a black label. And uh, is this actually available around town as well? Yeah, so we have been uh, selling this vintage for about the last maybe couple of years. And we're going to transition probably in the fall into 2007. So get it while you can. Get it while you can. In <laughs> fact, you can sit on this and it will develop in the in the glass, in the bottle as well. Um, having a great time with uh, Champagne Laurent Perrier and Naomi Smith, the Northwest Regional Manager for Laurent Perrier. We've got three more beautiful bottles to open. So stick around. We'll be right back on Happy Hour Radio. A Northwest original, Lars Larson, live weekdays, noon to three. Talk Radio 570, KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends continue. Now, back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, we should be Happy Hour Radio with Laurent Perrier. I mean, we could have you as a an everyday sponsor every <laughs> week. I've got Naomi Smith, the Northwest Regional uh, Manager for Laurent Perrier, and one of the fantastic champagne houses with... Um, 
six wines. Are these all the expressions? Do you have some single vineyard stuff back at the domain? So we do two other wines that I didn't bring today, one being uh, our Alexandra Rosé, which is our Tete de Cuvée Rosé. It's a 2004 vintage, Grand Cru Pinot Noir and Chardonnay co-fermented. We oh. only made a 1,000 bottles. Hence why I didn't bring one. <laughs> um, and then we have a Lay Reserve, uh, um, which is another kind of iconic, but very, 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 very small. Le Reserve. Very small production wow. uh, wine for, for our house. What town is Laurent Perrier in? It is in Tours-sur-Marne, which is one of the 17 Grand Crus. Tours-sur-Marne, 17 mm-hmm. Grand Crus. And w- what's cool about having a village being Grand Cru is that all the grapes are considered Grand Cru grapes in that village, in the uh, delimited boundary of the village. Now, speaking of great, we're actually going to, we opened up some of the most amazing champagnes. And I, I got to give it to the Ultra Brut, uh, the, uh, the multi-vintage, even the, the basic, I don't even call it basic, the, your, um, the the popular expression of Laurent Perrier is absolutely delicious. <laughs> and we had the 2006, which I think is is absolutely beautiful wine. But you've got something here called Grand Siècle, and this is an homage to King Louis the Fourteenth mm-hmm. of uh, the 17th century when he got into great food and wine. And uh, that was right before the revolution, of course, <laughs> which changed some things. Uh, but Grand Siècle, um, for a long time, it was a vintage champagne, and um, it was founded on... Tell me the story. So it, it's... I, I love that you did your homework. My homework, <laughs> yes. Nice work. Um, so it was actually created in 1959 by Bernard de Nonancourt. Again, going back to this incredible man who, who did so much for the Laurent Perrier house. Um, he... It was after the the uh, war had ended and France and Champagne had been pretty much destroyed. Yes. So, um, and of course, you and know, raided. Raided. Well, and that's actually kind of a fun side story. Um, you know, Bernard and his brother Maurice went and joined the French resistance. His his brother sadly didn't make it. He was um, killed in a concentration camp. But Bernard was um, heralded as quite a. a, a uh, high-level, uh, successful soldier, and one of the things that he was most famous for was uh, breaking down the wall of Hitler's eagle's nest and discovering oh, no way. all of the champagne and spirits and fine wines that had been stolen over the years by the, the Nazis, right. right? Including the 1928 salon that was stolen while him and his brother worked at the winery. Oh, wow. So amazing, amazing person. But so... France and Champagne had been destroyed. They wanted to rebuild, and their idea is, let's set the bar high. So let's think of a time in France's history when France was at its peak, and of course, Louis XIV, the Sun King, this incredible era, the Grand Century, or Grand Siècle. So Charles de Gaulle actually named our this wine, and the idea really? is, this is the best wine that our house can make Wow. At any time. So the the sapage changes, obviously, throughout um, the releases. The current release is 97, 99, and 2002. It's all Grand Cru, Pinot Noir, and Chardonnay. The exact blend is 55 Chardonnay, 45 Pinot Noir. It spends over an, um, eight years aging on lees mm. and is one of the most remarkable champagnes, Tete de Cuvées, on the market. I, I agree. I've been fortunate to have a, um, a father who has been very generous and very uh, auspicious with his purchases. He, he's had some Grand Siècle. I've had the 78 Grand Siècle and uh, Grand Siècle. 
Fantastic wine. One of my favorite. I noticed the labels changed a little bit. It's now all black. Cause I remember it was a gold top with a more of a red label, I think, back in the vintage days. <laughs> but this is a blend of three vintages, which is very, very unique because those are all declared vintages as well, aren't they? They were all declared vintages, oh. and they each add something unique. So yeah. the 97 um, offers uh, finesse and roundness. The 99 brings uh, elegance, and the 2002 vintage brings structure to this wow. blend. Wow, they're like muses. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm going to take a sip, and um, tell me about this bottle. This bottle shape is a little different than the rest of the bottles, and it's unique. Yeah, so this is actually mirrored after the 1,700 hand-blown glass bottles that used to be produced. So it's it's just really... Um, it matches what is inside the bottle, which is so important, right? It's historic. It, mm-hmm. It's an homage to the history and mm-hmm. to the, well, not the longevity of champagne. Um, you said eight years? Eight years on these, oh, yes. Wow. Dosage is eight grams per liter, too, just. Mm. So. Now, this this is a really round wine. This one just has all, it's like, um, it's like an air bubble that just sort of glistens on the, caresses the sides of your mouth. Um, it, it's very light, and just sort of, I don't. It's like, it's like warm. It's like steam, kind of, but with with great flavor. Okay, yes, yeah, I'm, I'm working with that. I mean, steam is so light. He's like, wow. It's like air. It's like vaporized air, and that's what this wine is like. Uh, it's it's so beautiful. I mean, I think this temperature is, and this is probably in 65, 62 degree right, temperature, which is something that no one ever drinks champagne unless they're, of course, in a radio studio on a Saturday night. <laughs> but it shows so well. Yeah. It's absolutely delicious. Yeah. I mean, this is, and what I think is so amazing about the Laurent Perrier wines in general is, you know, this wine is has 97 vintage, 99 vintage, 2002 vintage. Think about where you were in those years. So years long ago. ago, right? So, and they are incredibly fresh. Mm. Right. I think it's incredibly delicious. Yeah. Um, there's it, it goes on in the palate. All right. So we've got a, a rosé one. I, I I want to spend more time on Grand Seca, but we'll have to do this after the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, just you and me and a bottle of bubbly. Um, the cuvee rosé. Now this is something very special. This is also in a a smaller, more diminutive bottle. Um, it's the same size, of course, but it's uh, by volume. But it's just a little shorter. And tell me about this wine. So this is. One of our most iconic uh, wines, um, and in fact, it's uh, as we talked a little bit before airing. Rosé, in general, historically was not a very sought-after style of champagne. People associated it with being very sweet. Right, well, yeah. fortunately, we are in a place now where the consumers are recognizing that these are some of the best wines produced. So the demand is is has gotten really, really strong. So our rosé is done in a unique style for our house. Yes. Um, we actually do 100% Grand Cru uh, Pinot Noir. The uh, the grapes are coming from Bouzy, Louvois, and Tours sur Marne. Mm-hmm. Um, we do extended maceration for about forty eight to seventy two hours, oh. and then fermentation. Really? So this is the real rosé. This isn't bleeding. This is the, Actually, this is made for rosé. This, this is, is exactly correct. Wow. And in fact, during harvest, I spoke with Michel Fauconnier, a winemaker, last June, and he said that during that process, he is checking these wines because they're done. Um, divided by crew. Right. Uh, he checks them every two hours. So the man is not sleeping <laughs> at all <laughs> during harvest, during this maceration period. That's when it counts. Um, and we actually have a separate winery that is just dedicated to rosé because we are very, very, very passionate about this wine. So five years on lees at minimum. 
eight or nine grams per liter on the dosage. And um, just a, an incredible, if, I love tasting this in Oregon because, you know, Oregon's such a uh, Pinot Noir centric state. Yes. It is such a great Pinot Noir varietally correct wine, but it also is expressive in the aromatics. Um, it's just a, it's a bright, concentrated, delicious, um, very easy to drink. And one of my favorite food pairing wines across the board, these are great food wines, but this wine goes with so many different foods. Especially in the Northwest. Especially it's salmon. Salmon and mushrooms. Sure. Mushrooms. And uh, I, I think you could even do it with, with crab cocktail. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Not that I wouldn't do it with that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> what what wouldn't you try with this one? Well, we need to find um, some of our friends over at the Crab Pot Restaurant. Come on. <laughs> the show as well. Oh, a fantastic. It's a beautiful color. It's a light pink patina. Um a little bit of that uh, that copper hue you get when you're looking at some of the old uh, uh, copper stills. Um, this is 100% Pinot Noir? Yep, all wow. Grand Cru. So not just yes, Pinot Noir, but all Grand Cru from Louvois to Sermarne and Bouzy. Mm-hmm. Three great villages of the 17 Grand Cru villages. You have a final wine here, and I'm going to save this one for our last segment because um, I, I want to really spend some time on the, the, the uh, Cuvée Rosé. Rosés um, are getting more popular, obviously, with the dry rosés we make here in Washington and, of course, in France, Provence, etc. But um, rosé champagne is very special, and especially this particular bottling with 100% Grand Cru Pinot Noir and pressed to be rosé. Sometimes they add just a little red wine to make it rosé. Other times they use grapes with red skins and or even Pinot Gris can have some color. But what are some of the prices for these wines? Obviously, the you said the uh, Ultra Brut was at that Around $65, $70, yeah. We had the th- forty bucks for the yep. um, the, the multi vintage, the Grand Cru, or sorry, the uh, vintage is going to be in the eighty five, seventy ish, yeah. yeah. Right. Um, Grand uh, Siècle uh, around one ten, one fifteen, one twenty. Still very reasonable in the world of Tete Cuvées, which you know climbed to two, three hundred dollars yes. a bottle. Armand de Brignac, and all that. exactly. <laughs> and then the rosé, um, and then the rosé uh, between around seventy ish, oh. seventy seventy five. So very reasonable in in terms of pricing. Yes, and I think when you actually drink it at this temperature, you don't drink it as fast because the wine is so much more expressive. Not that we're going to change the way people drink champagne. <laughs> um, I just want people to drink more champagne, especially in June for the graduates and for dad and for mom and heck for me. Uh, hey, stick around. we got one more wine with uh, Naomi Smith of Laurent Perrier right here on Happy Hour Radio. Big names, big news. Sean Hannity, weekdays 3 to 6 p.m., Talk Radio 570, KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio. Now back to Seattle Somalier, Christopher Chan. Tiny bubbles on my glass. Wow, I'm having a great time. Hey, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. Oh, wow. Winding down. It's uh, segment four. And, uh, well, we have one more glass of champagne to taste. Oh, poor me. Uh, have Naomi Smith, the Northwest Regional Manager for Laurent Perrier, one of the fantastic champagne houses located in the tiny village of Tours-Marne, which is one of the Grand Cru villages in the region of Champagne. We just tried the Grand Siècle, which is the uh, Tete de Cuvée blend of 45 Chardonnay, 55 Pinot Noir. Was that right? Um, correct. Oh, how about yeah. that? <laughs> and uh, eight years on tirage, so mm-hmm. it gives you great 
complexity mouthfeel. Of course, we have the Cuvée Rosé, which is 100% Grand Cru Pinot Noir and uh, made to be rosé. And it spends five plus years on tirage. Um, and it's it's under $100 at the store. You have one more champagne, which is a style that most people are probably less familiar with. Tell me about this wine. So this is actually one of my favorites also. I have a lot of favorites here. Six favorites (laughs) I might have said that before, but it's because I mean it. Mm -hmm. Um, So our demi-sex. So this is a style of champagne that, um, you know, we don't really talk about that much, but it is one of the the best in terms of pairing. Again, another great versatile uh, pairing wine. And what's fascinating about this and why I love showing this next to the multi-vintage brute is because they're the same wine but with different dosage levels. So really? it shows the impact of what sugar can do to, to a wine. So our multi-vintage brute is 10 grams per liter. Our demi-sec is 40. 40? But it doesn't feel like that. When you taste it, what it, it feels like is sweet tart. It's creamy. It's round. But it has tremendous acidity. And it's quite light. So it also has that great freshness, which is our house style. Crazy. So in terms of pairing, this is mm. one of my favorite cheese wines. This goes with everything from Chev all the way to blue cheese. Trust me, this goes with everything. But one thing that I really wait, want... Wait, wait, wait. You used to work at a cheese school or something. I still teach at the cheese school of San Francisco, but I, but I used to be at the cheese. cheese cellar. Yes. <laughs> right around the corner. That's right. Um, but but one thing that I, I, I really, with all of the weddings coming up, because we're, we're at wedding season, <laughs> Three I, months out of the year. I want you to tell your friends... Please tell everyone, when you are planning your wine for the cake pairing, yes. we always want to have champagne because it's a wedding and it's, it's celebratory, yeah, it's right? toasting and all that. But we oftentimes, almost always, pair it with a brute champagne, and right. that plus sweet cake is disgusting. Oh, my God. It doesn't work. Have demi-sec. Mm-hmm. Demi-sec with wedding cake, it's dynamite. And you need the sweet plus the sweet pairing in order to, to have a, something that tastes good. I'm so, so surprised I'm how, how delicious <laughs> this wine is because I, I would not normally find a demi-sec just because I, I just don't have enough familiarity with it. I mean, I know what it is, but I, I just haven't found that. Typically, when we're at my house, we're, we're drinking two or three bottles of champagne at the beginning, and then we move on to the rest of the world of wines. But to do a champagne dinner, and I think this is something that I want to do more of, of course. Um, Demi-sec is really uh, fantastic. This has bright acidity because I think the sugar really uh, contrasts that. The sweetness really shows. It's like lemonade. You get the great sourness, but you got the sweetness, and it's in balance. And that's what's key for this wine is that it has some sweet notes, but that's more like uh, um, just... It's not like a caramel sweetness. It's just a very, very light, fresh fruit, like a gala apple sweetness. You've got acidity, and you've got just... It's sweet tart. It's just sweet tart. You know, it is. It's just... It's funny because people think, oh, demi-sec, it's going to be heavy. Mm. It is the opposite of that. All right. I would expect some fine restaurants to be serving this with their cheese course or with the dessert course. Let's talk about some of the restaurants in Seattle that carry Laurent Perrier. Well, if you go right across the street to the Space Needle. Oh, yes. (laughs) They have our rosé. Of course, one of my favorite... I'll take my private elevator up there, (laughs) too, is what we do. Yes. Um, of course, one of my favorite restaurants, uh, Place Pigalle, has, is oh. a, a big supporter of, of our wines and uh, the Renee Erickson uh, restaurants oh, carry yes. our wines. And I, you know, can't argue with 
better, better restaurants that no, have no. our wines here in Great Seattle. Great with oysters, of course. So Laurent mm-hmm. Perrier, um, what's the website? Uh, dot com. It's worth a visit. You've got, uh, you talk about the wines, the history, of course, and some experiences, which uh, I think everyone can have their own champagne experience. Um, you know, sometimes they put straws in champagne. I don't think that really works. I've tried it. I don't it like just it. makes all the bubbles come up and it just, does, it just it tastes fizzy. Um, but these are fantastic wines. I'm so pleased that you came back to little Seattle, <laughs> <laughs> the rainy day hideaway. Happy to be to here. To share these fantastic wines. Champagne Laurent Perrier and Naomi Smith, the uh, Northwest Regional Manager for Laurent Perrier. Thanks so much for sharing these wines. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having us. Happy Hour Radio. Wow, folks. This is fantastic. I'm digging it. You got to try Champagne Laurent Perrier. Uh, A lot of history there. uh, Founded in 1812. It's worth the visit. And really make an investment in your palate. uh, There's a lot going on with these wines. Remember, don't over-chill them. And uh, try them with some food. Some gaugeres. I think Lay's potato chips work really well. The 50% salt ones. (laughs) Popcorn is great, of course. Uh, Caviar and oysters. And uh, tis the season to celebrate dad and of course the graduates etc and if you want to celebrate more about the world of wine i want you to join me in july july 9 10 11 it's psalm summit it's over at south seattle college it's uh two and a half days of international wine and spirits curriculum advanced level but something for everybody check it out psalmsummit.com and when you're out checking out laurent perrier at uh renee erickson's boats or boathouse remember life's always better with a designated driver cheers